Welcome to episode 4 of Trivially Crucial, in which we will discuss how every heroic feat and life-or-death decision of one particular adopted son from another world are critical and very real parts of all our lives, no matter how fictional they all may be. I'm Michael, and today I'm going to start off by asking my co-worker, co-worker, my co-host and friend, Mandy. Uh, Mandy, do you... Do you feel like you have a pretty good idea who Superman is? Um, I, I feel like I do have a pretty good idea of who Superman is. Right. So, uh, so he's e- the even guy. Though... So, so you know that he's, of course, just the guy who... He's got some strength and some speed. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. And he's a little bit invulnerable, but but he can't really, like, you know, he's he's pretty well grounded. He can't really fly or anything. He just jumps over buildings and stuff like that. To leave tall buildings at a single bound, or uh, or do you know more the definition where he can, where he is part of many different Kryptonians rather than just one one forgot or one son of his world and is part of a growing family of people. That's enough of that, Kara. Hey, Clark, it was such a nice day. I thought I'd just you know vroom. What did we talk about? No vroom during the daytime. Who can? do all kinds of crazy things like move planets with their abilities and stuff or uh or is it more the the definition in which he he saves a city of his own race who are in a tiny bottle and other than that he is alone and is pretty much supernatural but he but his abilities are limited and there are others who can rival his own power are the do which one of those really f- is who Superman is to you? I would say none of those. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the only reason I started off that way is really to to just start things off by kicking off that a lot of people seem to have in their minds that there is one definition of Superman and there is a canonical version of his powers and origins, and that's just not really true. So we're going to talk about Superman as a whole, as the character, and what's important to him and what isn't and so on. So uh, with that, I will, I'll say let's, uh, let's go ahead and move to the different versions of his origin stories and what is generally true and what's not and things like that. And I will let you start off if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to start out defining what is generally true in Superman's origin story? I, I would, I, let's go ahead and start off. And why don't you pick <laughs> one origin story and we'll discuss that and then we'll start going from there. How's that sound? And I know you can uh, think of at least one because you did some homework recently. <laughs> I I did do some homework recently. I... So, so, so let's try and stick to <laughs> what you would think of. the test? That's okay. <laughs> so let's try and think of, um, for instance, there was one in particular I told you was what I see as more or less the modern canonical version of Superman's story. Sort of the de- definition of his origin story in in this day and age, right? Yes. All right, so why don't you go ahead and start us talking off with that? Um, okay, so Michael told me that I should read... Um, one minute, let me pull it up. It is Superman... Oh, gosh. Somehow it got lost. It's Superman, Superman Birthright. Birth. There you go. Yes. Uh, which is a more modern-esque comic done in the 2000s, right? That's correct. Uh, by Mark Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it kind of starts. It, it kind of starts with the Superman origin, but it doesn't go all the way back to like Superman as a kid. It starts with Superman or Clark Kent, I should say, as a young man traveling the world <laughs> um, as a reporter, writing stories and writing wrongs. But he's not really like in the costume yet, right? Um, but by the end of it, he does get this idea to be costumed and has Ma Kent make his, uh, make his costume for him, which I thought was adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but basically it just portrays Clark Kent as a good guy that, you know, everyone seems to like, even if at first they mistrust him a little bit just because he's different, um, not not even different like a superhero. Like the first issue starts out with Clark Kent in Africa. So he's just different because he's not, you know, from Africa. <laughs> um, and how people come to just trust him because he's such a good guy. And uh, yeah, I, it talked the different powers I saw he had in there was, you know, super strength, flying, uh, ability to see through things. uh heat vision because he like cauterized someone's artery at one point Mm -hmm. um, which is an interesting use of heat vision Uh, yeah so Uh, where did he in that version where did he come from Krypton yes okay so he generally he'll pretty much always come from Krypton pretty much I say pretty much because there is an exception we will talk about (laughs) later on in the podcast but um but he comes from Krypton, and in that story, they do in Superman Birthright, they do of, uh, address the you know the planet is dying, and his parents sent him you know sent him away in order to save him because for whatever reason others wouldn't listen or didn't know that the planet was dying. Um, it's a story. It's very much a a story which it sets up a little bit of the origin, why he came from where he did, what made him decide to, and how he decided to become Superman, and then it sets. The beginning of like it's basically he makes the decision and becomes Superman by the end of it, and his rivalry with Lex Luthor helps thrust him into into his role. Um, right, and that's it. Superman Birthright is, I mean, as I told Mandy when I was recommending she read it, it's very much just it's a retelling of the origin story, and it's just the origin to where Superman becomes the hero that he is ostensibly going to be for the rest of his life. Um, it's where he, he goes from being Clark Kent, who is a guy with a good guy with superpowers to becoming Superman, which, and, and there's a lot behind what becoming Superman means. And we're of course going to address that quite a bit. Um, some other interesting origin sorts of things, um, origins and, powers that, that some of which I, I alluded to in in the introduction that was a little bit awkward and not the norm but um, but one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is Superman's powers have drastically changed over time um, when he was first created he could not fly um, and he was invulnerable but it wasn't really the invulnerability we think of now it wasn't like the puff out his chest and bullets like ricochet off of him as if you know, air is breezing by. It was more of a, he didn't want to get shot, but it didn't stop him if he did. Um, I, I also think it's, it's point out to, it's important to point out that when Superman was created, it was much longer ago than when people think about comics starting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he is, he is a much older character than any Marvel character. Much, much, much. He is actually, 
um, in from uh, I believe 1939 was the genesis of Superman. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I, he's pretty old. He was in Action Comics number one. Um, he did not have his own title <laughs> title thing or, uh, from the get go. It's actually 1938. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, which Action Comics is actually a it was a newer publication than than Detective Comics, which is where Batman came in, but Superman came first. Um, and Detective Comics, as some people might might pick up, is the the book that DC is named after at this point. Um, but and so DC Detective Comics was the first one. Action Comics came later, but Superman was in issue number one. Um, he is a very old character. He was not necessarily the hero that we all think of him as. I mean, in on the very the cover of Action Comics number one, where you see Superman for the first time, he is throwing a car, and it seems kind of arbitrary, and you have regular people running away from him. So, um, he was very gung-ho early on. Um, he didn't... He's not exactly what we would have thought of as Superman, if you go back and you read the originals. It's fun read. It's a fun read, but he changed quite a bit. Um, his powers... He added powers uh, drastically over the years, um, and from what I I believe I'm correct, and this is his the origin of his powers, which we'll discuss a bit more. But where his powers actually came from initially was just because Krypton ostensibly had greater gravity than <laughs> than Earth, and so Kryptonians were just stronger. That was it. That was basically the definition that they gave. So he was just a human. But what you would perce- imagine a human would be if we grew up in much harder conditions and therefore he was stronger and faster and so on in order to, because, you know, his race evolved on a planet with less gravity or with more gravity. Right. He, he, w- he was like John Carter. Yes. Which, uh, which John Carter. Many of you may be familiar with from the recent movie, but John Carter is a much, he was invented in 1911 and in many ways was a precursor to Superman in that aspect. Yes. That is correct. So, anyway, so going from that, clearly his superpowers have changed. Um, these days, there's a lot of other origins. Uh, the origin story is generally the same, where his planet's dying. Doomed planet. And his parents send him away. Desperate scientists. And he crash lands on Earth. Last hope. And most of the time, he's adopted by, by a... The Kents, the Kent family. Kindly couple. Um, and he grows up in farmland in, in the United States, in Kansas, whether it's, you know, in the 40s that he grows up, or in the 30s that he grows up, or during the Cold War, or after the Cold War's over. Superman. It, generally, he is... He's a Heartland American raised hero who grows up most of the time to have what American virtues publicly were before and what people, you know, people like to think of as American virtues, but are really just virtues of humanity, which is, you know, trying to push truth and justice and, as it used to be said, the American way. Um, And so, yeah, all around good guy. Lots of crazy powers that change over time, but it's really essential to know that his his origin is flexible and his powers are flexible, and they are not the things that define the character. Um, 
And heck, even his suit changes over time. I mean, these days, I believe in the comics, he's actually going around with a pair of jeans and a t-shirt to fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> which, you know, kind of more practical than tights this these days. I don't do too well with fortune tellers. The last one I went to see told me that I was destined to fall for a guy who flies a lot and likes to wear tights. So I'm just waiting for my cross-dressing pilot to make his landing. But we can discuss that later if we even want to. So, Mandy, what would you say are really the essential things to Superman? Me? Yes. Uh, well, I would say... (sighs) (laughs) The essential things to Superman uh, are that he is a good guy. Um, I think that's the most essential thing, is... Is that he's not tortured. He's not, you know, he's not Bruce Wayne. Uh, he he does these things because it's the right thing to do. Um, and there there is no dilemma in that for him. Yes. People need to be saved. Therefore, he saves them. Right. It's very much, you know, so going over to Marvel, Spider-Man has the the famous line with great power comes great responsibility. And that is for Spider-Man. That is a weight on his shoulders. And that's just the way that Spider-Man's written. And it works for that character for Superman. It is not a weight on his shoulders. It is just something that he clearly knows beyond doubt. And he could not like once he has become Superman, he could not choose to do anything else. He it's just not in him to do otherwise. And any dilemma that you want to go, any, any, any debate in his mind over whether he's going to be a hero or whether he's going to save others and put others first, that happens before he decides that he is going to become a hero in the public eye. Um, So there's, and that means that there's a lot of things that people try and think are essential that aren't like, for instance, a lot of people have grown up with versions of Superman where, where his father died when he was younger. And, in a lot of stories, that's used to great effect. But it's really not that important. There are plenty of stories where he hasn't died, where his human father hasn't died when he's older, and he still instilled in him the same values. It's Superman's father's death is not his fault, unlike Spider-Man. It's not his father's death that causes him to make a decision, the way Spider-Man makes, makes the decision to become a hero because of something that was his fault. Um... Right. It's whether his father is around or absent will take an effect on your particular version of Superman if you are writing him, because every single aspect of his history should take an effect on your particular version of the character. But he doesn't. It doesn't define him as a character. Um, and so, so the what I would say the essential thing is that Superman is generally he is someone who is more powerful than humans. He is someone who humans can look upon, and he's the kind of person who his abilities would put him in a position to put himself over humanity if he wanted to. Um, it is someone who people should rightfully have some reservations over before they know him. Because if you randomly gave someone those powers, it should be someone to be wary about. And the thing that's really essential about Superman is that he is he is trustworthy, and he is all that is morally good. He does not make morally wrong decisions. He is he's not God. He does have faults, 
but they are not faults of making the wrong moral decision. He will make the right one no matter how inconvenient it is for him, no matter how bad it is for him. And he might be, he might not want to, but he'll do it anyways. He, and he won't hesitate in doing it when he is Superman. Because that's just part of who he is. Um, another part of what I would say is actually essential to Superman is that he does the impossible. He is... He does the impossible over and over and over again. He does things where a solution does not seem apparent and other people would cave in order to, without fault, you know, it's the kind of, there will be occasions where anyone else in the same circumstances, even with the same powers, would see a decision between one option and another and neither is good and Superman finds another way because that's how he is. He is a person who, even when the powers that he has given to him all of a sudden still aren't enough, he still manages to accomplish something because the powers aren't what actually make him the heroic figure. He will over and over again, he will put off, he will not think of himself as better than humanity because he sees others who have to sacrifice day in and day out and put themselves at risk day in and day out when he is not at risk. But then when he is at risk or when he doesn't have, when his powers aren't enough because they're, because this is mirroring how in regular life, you know, our abilities just often aren't enough, even though, even if we're generally prepared for something, he'll still find a way to manage it because he's not, he will not sacrifice on the things that he shouldn't sacrifice on. Um, and I think that that is essential to getting Superman, to being true to Superman. Um, so... Yeah, so let's let's talk about some stories where they really get Superman right. Uh, you have read a few now. Um, what what are some that you think they really just nailed the spirit of Superman? <laughs> I feel like this is a trick question. It, it might uh, be, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one Michael thinks nails the spirit of Superman. I think there are and a few. I would say that is Superman's secret identity. <laughs> that's true, but let, let's we'll get to that in a bit because that is one that really bucks the trend of things. So that, that we will use that as an example of how pe- well, we'll get to it and I'll explain why to the audience when we get to it. But are there any others that you think just kind of letter of the law, like they hit Superman in every way? Um, so, you know, I am not the Superman expert. You are. <laughs> I wouldn't say expert. So... I'm an aficionado, but there's, there's definitely some pe- things people talk about that. I just don't know what they're referring to, but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I really thought uh, Red Sun did a good job. And because, okay, so for those who don't know, Superman Red Sun is a comic that uh, asks the question what if Superman had landed in Russia? Uh, And I think Red Sun manages to capture who Superman would be if he was raised in a slightly different culture. Uh, It was what, what if Superman is a communist? And. Uh, I am not a communist. I I just want (laughs) to throw that out there. Uh, (laughs) But I spent a lot of time in my youth studying communism. (laughs) Um, So I I could see how someone who believes in truth, justice, and uh, doing what's right uh, would end up, as Superman does, being in charge of the Communist Party and Russia and thinking it is legitimate to, you know, 
take take over the world uh, and and do what he did. E- even if it's not something that seems stereotypically what Superman would do, it's basically what if Superman had grown up in an environment where the greater good is more important than individual freedom. Uh, so, and I, will, I, I think it gets the nature versus nurture aspect. There are some parts that are inherent to Superman's nature, but there are things that can be different based on the environment you were nurtured in. So I will, uh, I mean, I'm going to bring this up later when we discuss it. Cause I, I think this is a good example of another type of story that we're going to talk about rather than one that gets all the essentials right. But, and I'll explain that well later. It's not really so much an argument cause I agree with basically all of what you said but there's just a little bit more to it to me that makes it slot in somewhere else. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, okay. but so, if for me, if someone wants to know, like to watch something or read something that really nails down the spirit of Superman at its core, and it isn't a focus on like Superman birthright is a focus on the origin story, but instead I would recommend, I generally recommend all star Superman, which is a comic and an animated movie. And it's one of those few things where I actually prefer the animated version to the comic version. Um, very, very few things I, do I think that is true of. But um, All-Star Superman is a story that tells the entire... It tells Superman's entire story from beginning to end. And it's, it was a uh, just a one-year thing. It was a 12-year or 12 issue comic, one issue a month, and eventually was made into a short animated movie. And it it's over the top. It goes with Superman at the peak of his possible powers. I mean, we're talking in the in the beginning, um, it tells the, his origin story very briefly, and then it introduces you to he's been around and people know him and trust him and and the world loves him, except for Lex Luthor. And in the opening scene of it, he's doing some crazy things like as some people may not know is that what the source of his flight abilities come from. Cause clearly he's not like shooting jet, you know, he doesn't have like rockets or anything and he doesn't have wings to fly on. So generally the, you know, people don't explain it or they assume that the power of Superman's flight is actually some sort of telekinesis that only really affects his own body. Um, and in fact, a lot of the time people will take his invulnerability and people will talk about why his invulnerability, why his cape and, and his costume doesn't tear apart. And they're like, well, his invulnerability actually is a slight energy field that extends beyond his body. And there, those are things that don't really matter at all to the character. And they're just ways that people explain things kind of, you know, they wave it away. So you don't focus too much on the things that don't matter. Um, but in one of the very opening scenes of All-Star Superman he is using this crazy power where he is extending his field to a to a spacecraft in order to drag it away without having to physically touch it. And they and in the comic because it is over the top and kind of tongue in cheek at times and it really just tries to nail nail Superman's essentials without trying to be grounded at all. Um and it explains it does explain what's going on there. In this particular version it's because he has gotten extremely close to the sun, and in the modern comics, Superman is essentially a solar battery where he gains his power from the sun, and because he happened to fly extremely close to the sun, it supercharged his cells. And that that storyline actually becomes essential to the storyline of the whole thing. But if you want one thing to just get the essential spirit of Superman, All-Star Superman is it. It's a self-contained story, and each of the 12 issues with an overarching story that you don't realize is overarching until the very end where it all comes together. 
Um, and it, it's just a, it's a great storytelling. I highly recommend that to, to really pretty much anyone. Um, there are many other potential Superman stories. Uh, this right now, there is a, uh, a weekly Superman, um, a Superman comic that comes out weekly that I actually get digitally. And it does very much a sort of hokey tongue in cheek. Um, every single issue is a different story and they don't, they, they don't try to, um, they don't try to make it's not a continual story or anything like that. And it's just called Adventures of Superman, and every one is done by a different author and uh, an artist team, and they just try and nail the story, the 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 essentials of Superman as one-off stories. Um, another great example I can think of is some people might remember the really really old Superman cartoons from I I can't remember if they're from the '40s or the '50s, but they're the ones that had the. Uh, that introduction that a lot of people are familiar with, the uh, more powerful than a steaming locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet, can leap over uh, tall buildings in a single bound. And there are just there were short, incredibly high, highly polished cartoons that there's not much to them other than Superman's a good guy, he goes and does crazy things to help people, and and there's not... Granted, there's not a lot of depth to them because there were short cartoons that were, I believe, put before feature-length movies in theaters. Um, that is what they were made for. And uh, they also sort of get the essence of what Superman is. So those are more to the letter than anything else. Um, there are, if you really want to get Superman well, for the Superman animated series um, from the 90s is a fantastic piece of work that just nails Superman over and over and over again. It nails even um, the conflict in Superman, and it's, it's especially great because it was made for kids, that there's a lot of conflict there that, but Superman's morals aren't part of that conflict. Um, there are times where he might discover something that might indicate his decision was wrong, and that's because Superman is is fallible, but when he learns when he needs to, he makes the right decision after the fact. Um, uh, what is also, what's really nice to, um, to point out, and this is going to play into the example, into a Superman's secret identity, which Mandy already started with, um, a lot of the time, especially in the older things when, you know, there, when the Cold War was going on, or even earlier, when American trust of our, our military and our, our government was much higher than it generally is today, and that's true of you know, in the world as a whole is, you know, people had much greater trust in some countries of their governments than they do now. Um, and so a lot of the time Superman would be hand in hand with the American government and the American military. And that is not something that is essential to his character. Like you may call Superman a boy scout because he's always prepared and does what's right, but he is, that does not mean that he always does what, what the government says. He is allowed to have disagreements with the government if, if the government stance is, is perceived as wrong, um, and he does a lot. So uh, that takes us into Superman's secret identity, which Mandy uh, started to talk about, and I will, because I've been talking for such a long stretch, I'll let her describe it. Okay, so uh, Superman's secret identity, <laughs> it. 
it's hard to explain. When Michael first explained it to me, he was like, it's what if, uh, what if a kid named Clark Kent became Superman? And I'm like, of course Clark Kent becomes Superman. (laughs) But, uh, the idea is that this is a world like ours where Superman is a fictional character. And there was a family with the last name of Kent and they thought it'd be funny to name their son Clark. Uh, so he grew up with the name Clark Kent in a world where Superman was a fictional character called Clark Kent. And there are no um, real superheroes, right? And so, there are no real superheroes. So just yes. like our world. So just like our world. And then one day he wakes up with superpowers. Uh, very similar uh, to Superman's superpowers. Um, so, And the comic is four comics that kind of details his life from that point uh, almost all the way up until... Uh, I, I, I don't think he actually dies on page i don't think but, so. ba- but but basically his entire life um and it, it is an interesting uh little story where you have this character who is both at the same time not superman and superman um because he takes on the persona of superman when he saves people so that people will think they're crazy um <laughs> if they try to report him they're gonna be like what i was saved by superman and they're gonna be like you can't be saved by a fictional character. <laughs> um, so it was a very interesting, uh, enjoyable read. It, and, and it's a story where the reason I love it, and it is actually, and, and I'm not going to say it's the best comic that I've read, because it's not, but it is absolutely my favorite comic. And it's my favorite comic because Superman, Superman is my favorite superhero. He's, he's probably my favorite fictional character, because of the essentials of what he is, because he is about core virtues and how you don't have to bend on your virtues. And when people, and a lot of the time, people will talk to me about how they think Superman's an inherently boring character. And to me, I think that's because Superman is difficult to write because people focus on the wrong parts of him as being essential. And this story, which just tosses out the window a lot of the essential things of... A lot of what's essential for Superman, it just tosses them out the window and nails, to me, it just nails what is important for Superman. So he is not born on Krypton and sent from a dying planet. He does not have any sort of guidance from a dead alien father. Um, He, does his, I forget, does Jonathan Kent even die in this story uh, as a thing? So Jonathan Kent doesn't die in it. He didn't. There is no Jonathan Kent. Oh, that's right, because his father is another is just another name. So he doesn't he doesn't right. grow up covering his powers. He you know he is not been a constant struggle of him having to restrain his anger because he would pop somebody's neck off, right? Which is which is a big part of a lot of the time. Superman is you know he had to learn to control his his temper because if he didn't, he'd kill somebody. And that was not an issue for this kid until all of a sudden one day he woke up and had powers. Um, it's a very different struggle that he has, which is, wait, I just wake up and now I'm Superman. I'm just like a kid that people make fun of because my name is Clark Kent, you know, and that's a goofy name to have in the real world. And and yet he does turn into Superman when it's kind of the mantle is thrust upon him. Or when he gets the power to do it, he's like, well, I, I guess I need to do this thing. I, I need to save people because I can. 
And sure, it's kind of funny that he decides to just put on the Superman costume because it's a good cover and nobody's going to buy that, oh, it's actually a guy named Clark Kent, <laughs> you know? Because, um, you know, if, if Superman appeared in our world, we would we would not necessarily actually think to look for a guy named Clark Kent because that's ridiculous. And, uh, I, and I just think that it really gets the spirit of Superman right and that he he does consistently work to save to save others and in this story he actually you know he hides his secret identity from others not and uh including from the government for and he doesn't work he works with the government but doesn't work for them and and in fact he there's a really funny just through line of the story where he is constantly fighting off the government's attempts to find who he is and it's hilarious um and so I, I think that it just does get... I really you know, liked the... I don't want to spoil it, but I really liked the resolution of that, too. Yes, I, I did as well. I, I thought it was it was really clever. So if you're someone who thinks that Superman is inherently boring, I would definitely say, you know, you might not like All-Star Superman, even though the point... Because of the fact that it is just the spirit... It, it's the most stereotypical Superman story you could have more or less like there's a little bit of twisting and turning here. And I think the end to the animated version is fantastic, but it's still very straightforward Superman. If you, but if you think Superman, a Superman story where they get Superman, right, is inherently boring. I would say check out Superman secret identity, because that is something where they change the details, but he is still absolutely Superman uh, in every sense of the word. And it's not boring. It's a really cleverly written story. Um, so uh, some other things that I would say, uh, things that are his characters. So I, I mentioned the Superman animated series. There's also a Justice League animated series, which makes me think of one of his roles. Because a lot of the time, most of the time, we're going to be talking about Superman in his own isolated stories. But that's not essential. I mean, a lot of the time, he is a core founder, one of the three core founders of the Justice League in most iterations, and he's the leader. Um, and that's because he is essentially the moral compass. He is hes the one who's like, no, look, people trust me, I do what's right, you know, you guys are also heroes, but I'm the leader because people know and trust that I'm going to decide what the right thing is. And that's not something that really bends. And I think that's a... It, and the thing that to drive home about this is the way I'm putting it. Superman doesn't think of the fact that he always, he doesn't do what's right because he knows what's right. He knows what's right because he's constantly willing to question whether he knows what's right. And that, and so he's willing to take input and listen to people and be like, Oh, you're right. Okay. This is what's right. Like he won't, he, he makes sure that he has the information necessary to make the right decision. And he will, make sure to have better information than other people do. And he will question what other people are doing that seems to be clearly the right thing in order to do what is actually the right thing. Um, And that comes into effect a lot in Justice League stories because there's a lot of conflict when you have Superman and Batman on the same side. Um, Out of sheer necessity, because the two of them are... They see the world differently. Um, And so going along those lines, I think that there are some... There are some Justice League stories, uh, and actually, instead of a Justice League story, actually, there's a multi, uh, 
there's a story that is an essential Superman story. It's uh, the death and return of Superman. And it was a long, long... It was in the 90s. And it was a long, multi-comic book storyline that it, it kind of weaved in and out, it wove in and out of the entirety of the DC universe. Um, and in it, they introduced a character named Doomsday, and Superman uh, fights him. Basically, like, they're... The fight is so intense that Doomsday kills and maims countless superheroes, and eventually Superman faces him, and he's the only one that can fight, that can challenge him. And in that story, in the death cycle of it, which, and I don't need to really address the return part of it, but in the death cycle of it, that really drives home Superman's, Superman's character in that people constantly question what, what Superman's value is, like how much of a true hero he is, because he's not, doesn't have real risk. And uh, and then in this version, what happens is that here is this hero who's just wiped the floor with numerous other heroes, and Superman's fighting him, and he is an equal match for super for Superman, if not stronger. He is an unstoppable force, and Superman just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting, and basically everyone else has to get out of the way because there is nothing that anyone else can possibly do to help. And he fights to his last breath. He he wins and he and doomsday die at the same time they're both gone and the entire dc you know the the entirety of earth in dc's in that the instance of time mourns him because there is no questioning that he would put everything on the line and did and he dies and it's a there's a really iconic um imagery from i believe the la- the issue in which he dies and it's a flag on a pile of rubble with Superman's shield, the, the S symbol just floating, fluttering in the wind. And it's, uh, and it's just kind of a, a thing. It's like, you know, you might question how, how heroic someone can be when there is no risk. And the thing about Superman is he would do it no matter the risk. And he does. And, um, and that's a, a story that with other people around trying other things, it still drives home why he is why Superman is the greatest of heroes, um, and he is the morally greatest of su- of all superheroes across DC and Marvel. I mean, the most you could potentially you might be able to make an argument for Captain America as Marvel's attempt to replicate Superman that that the essence of Superman in that way. Um, I wouldn't you say that, Mandy? Uh, I I don't think it's fair. <laughs> In, yes and no. Only in it, that, morally. Morally, right. yes. In what yes. I am talking about as the essential element of Superman. Clearly, he's not as superpowered as Superman or anything like that, and you know he plays different right. roles. But morally, as him being the guy, we discussed right. this. Who stands for truth, justice in the American way? Right, exactly. And, and it's the kind of thing where, and we're not going to go onto a tangent, but uh, onto a, a much of a tangent. But in Marvel, when they did the whole, um, they did the Civil War thing. And I looked at it, and when I realized, it's like, guys, come on. Captain America's on one side. That means everybody else is wrong. Like, I don't really, I don't really see... We don't like, want to talk about Civil War, because no, I have don't. strong opinions. Right. <laughs> and, and, and let's forget the rest of how the actual comic played out. But how it should be is that if you have a distinct argument and you're writing the character well, if people are arguing against Superman or Captain America, they're wrong. Unless they have information right. they, he doesn't have, and they're not willing to give them the information. But with the cards, like, with general information being available, like, Captain America and Superman are right because they do what's right. 
and if you're arguing with them, you know, you're, you're probably not right. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so going off of that, we've discussed good, like, the core of Superman and what some good superhero stories for him are, but what are some, we need to talk about some su- stories that don't really get him right. Um, they don't, and this is not like, and, and it, because of that, they get Superman wrong and they don't really have much of a reason to get him wrong. Um, and it weakens the stories because of them. So, uh, do you have any particular examples of that, Mandy? Superman Returns. Okay, I, I agree with that. Yes, that is uh, Superman Returns, for anybody who remembers, is the movie that came out a few years ago. What is it, 2005, six, something like that? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, so, go ahead. I, there, there were just so many little things in that movie that were just like Superman would not behave this way. But to me, the biggest one, the one I cannot forgive that movie for, is the fact that Superman would have a child with Lois Lane and not know about it and abandon that child for five years. I am with you 100% on that. And I mean, that is so against who super- Superman is not a deadbeat dad. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's just so contrary to everything Superman stands for. I mean, if there's one thing I think I could have confidence in is that Superman would be a good dad because he had a good dad. You know, uh, Paul Kent was a good dad. And, and if you think about it, he had two good dads, depending on which version of the uh, <laughs> of, right of this character. Right. I mean, about. his uh, Kryptonian father or whatever sacrificed everything to save him, you know, and give him this new life and and you want me to believe that superman just doesn't know and bails on lois and there's this kid then no 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 i can't i can't get over that and i can't forgive the movie for that um and and i will say so i agree with you on that and i tend to be i I mean i like superman returns but it's not a great superman story um it is it's i don't know even that it's necessarily a great movie in its own right or but but it's but it definitely it gets Superman wrong like that just that doesn't fit with Superman at all to me um, with who his character is so I agree with you on that um, I would say that uh, a a uh, another good example actually and I I adore adore this piece of media and Mandy is pretty far into it now uh, it's small bit. And I have, I have 10 seasons of Smallville on DVD, all 10 seasons. And there is just so much that they get wrong. And, and I mean, we discussed before when I was talking about the origin where Superman, when he is Clark Kent, before he decides to be Superman, he can have all kinds of moral ambiguity and so on. And he can, he does. And Smallville, the entirety of it is before he is Superman. But there's just way too much of it. Like, it's, with the, all the wishy-washiness in that series, it's really hard to believe that that person could ever firmly become Superman. <laughs> um, now, I love the show, and I think at times it's really good, and I think that individual episodes are fantastic, and that some individual episodes are fantastic, and I think that there are some really well-done story arcs, but but there's just too much crossing of where he's Superman in everything but name, and being able to actually consistently make the right call. 
Um, I, I mean, I do think that towards the end, they actually, I mean, they were definitely conscious of the fact that they were doing that wrong, but there's only so much they can do when they have to keep him Clark Kent for 10 seasons because, because of the fact well, that they could have ended the show. Well, they were making money. <laughs> they had to keep writing episodes as long as they had the contract going, and they hadn't already decided to end it. But yes, I, they could have ended it. Um, and it was in the contract for the show that it was a, there was a phrase that the fans knew and the, uh, the people who started the show, the showrunners, said it was uh, no flights, no tights. And it was part of the thing. Superman, like Clark Kent at, would not fly as Clark Kent or Superman. And he would not wear the Superman tights. And so that, you know, they were bound by that. And to have to try and follow 10 years of Clark Kent's life when he starts as a high schooler and he already has his superpowers pretty early on, there's only so much you can do. And and so and I get that. Um, but it is not the best Superman story. I love it, but it's not the best Superman story. Um, there are... Uh, what what else? Uh, there are actually there are lots of other comic books here and there that um, they they might stick to the essentials of like or what they see as the essentials of his powers, but because of that, they'll just have all kinds of silliness in them. Or Superman stories are very easy to get boring because you because he's difficult to make have physical. Uh, it's difficult to have physical feats that are actually a challenge for him. And people fail to realize that the physical feats aren't the part that are supposed to be a challenge. Like, you you find something to be a challenge for him, but they're not supposed to be the central conflict of the story. And so most of the meh Superman stories, which is a lot of Superman stories, are the ones where they just try and focus in on the physical conflict is the central conflict rather than making decisions to figure out how to save everybody or how to how to try and turn the the vil- how to give the villain every possible opportunity to turn over before you imprison him or you know or some such and the, so a lot of the the mess stories are the ones like that um i i'll be honest i tend to block those out of my mind <laughs> um so i can't really come up with a lot of examples because i i mean i i will think that I will say that I think a lot of it is mainline Superman stuff. I mean, we talked last week about continuity, and I think that trying to keep continuity with Superman is a huge issue and results in a lot of really weird stories that don't really fit with Superman's ethos. Um, so I would say that the bulk of Superman's stories are kind of mediocre mediocre stories where they try too hard to stick to the physical elements and don't get the... and don't figure out ways to make him stick to stick to his moral uh, moral guns and yet make it interesting which is admittedly difficult to do um, but that said because I- I'm sure plenty of other people can think of just their general experience of Superman that way we actually want to run- jump to examples where people get Superman and I'm putting this in air quotes um, they get him wrong but they do so intentionally as a way to actually leverage the, they get him wrong intentionally to drive home a point and they're basically leveraging because Superman is our society's equivalent of um, he's just so ingrained in most of our world's culture and just our, our world's our world's understanding that 
he's a, he's sort of the equivalent to Heracles or Hercules in the Greek and Roman world where everyone knows who he is. So you can always use him as an example for something. Um, you can refer to someone and tell a story based on them because you know everyone knows who Superman is. And so you can drive home a point by flipping his story on its ear well. And I think a lot of the most interesting Superman stories are actually not very good Superman stories, but they're fantastic stories because they use our cultural knowledge of Superman and our inherent cultural understanding of Superman to prop up their story. And uh, so the first one of these, from to me, is actually what Mandy was talking about as a good element of... Uh, a good example of of Superman, which was Red Sun, which is the one where he lands in Russia. And to me, I don't, I'm not going to spoil much, but to me, in the end, Superman is on the wrong side of things. And, and it's done brilliantly, like really, really well. And it's a very, the comic itself, because we've already talked about it, I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but the only reason I disagree with Mandy as far as that being an essential uh, a story where they get all the essentials right is because i feel like they they get the one essential or they intentionally make him get the one big picture essential wrong in a way to drive home the point drive home the whole the, the essential point which we've discussed before which is the you know the path to hell is paved with good intentions and superman is always in, in red sun he's always doing what he believes to be right and what most other people look at and say hey this looks like it's right and clearly in in the end the person who opposes him you you just can't stand the guy but it turns out that superman was wrong on the bigger picture and 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 it's kind of it's a very cleverly done story where they talk about you know of course it's written from the american perspective so of course the communist superman is wrong but um but it's just written where someone who is right or who is right on a lot of lesser things can still get the big picture wrong and be bad for the world. Um, and then, and I think the thing that they really do well is in the end, they let him see that flaw and he becomes essentially by doing something completely different, by becoming different from what we would think of as Superman he finally makes the final change to becoming Superman, in my mind. Um, and I won't, won't want to blow that, but I think Mandy understands what I mean by that. Um, but anyways, uh, Mandy, do you have other examples, perhaps, of, uh, of stories where they intentionally get... where they intentionally get something that is... or use Superman that is not really what we think of as Superman and use him really well? Um, I... I, I don't think I have other examples because I'm not as well read in Superman as you are. Um, I, I mean, going back to Red Sun, I, I see what you're saying, but at you the same argue, time, don't worry. you can argue it. I, I I don't. I, I'm not sure how. I mean, I think it comes down to nature versus nurture and what you're taught is more important than in, in America we're raised to believe that individual liberty is the most important thing ever. Right. Um, even at the expense of somebody else. Right. Um, in communism, the basic tenet is that the greater good is more important. Uh, granted communism as it was enacted didn't reflect that, but communism as Superman enacted, it was meant to, uh, 
to reflect that. And essentially, Superman was obeying in Superman in, in Red Sun uh, the zeroth law. Um, yeah. That's true. One, which is Asimov's zeroth law, which is that one cannot allow humanity to come to harm or through an action allow humanity to harm itself, blah, 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 Um, which is a play on the first law um, of robotics, which is that one cannot harm a human or through an action allow a human to come to harm. Um, And it's that question, right, of what's more important. Uh, and, and that's something Superman, I think, has always struggled with, right? It's, it's the question, uh, well, this is going to get into Man of Steel, which I know we don't want to talk yeah, about yet, so I'm going to leave off on that. Postpone Man of Steel. <laughs> but but it's, it's the question of how long do you give the criminal to come around versus just killing him now, you know? Right. Like, is his individual liberty and right to get redeemed more important than the fact that he could hurt other people? So and I, I and again like like before I literally I agree or I agree with everything you just said including before I don't disagree with anything the thing that makes it fit into this slot for me is that it's essentially that superman the superman that we believe in the superman that is the core definition of superman to me you know like you said it's nature versus nurture where some of it's nature some is nurture and in this case, he is a Superman who was intentionally placed in a different nurture so that he could grow up wrong, right? Not completely wrong, really close, because so much of it is nature. So he's really close, but he still gets it wrong. And to me, it's I feel like that's a deliberate play on intentionally putting him. It's like, well, what if Superman? Because the character himself is, like, you know, the iconic character is good and does the right thing and... And it's a combination of just he's inherently good, plus he has the values instilled in him when he grew up. So what would happen if he grew up with, still, he was raised by, in Russia, he was raised by farm people, by good farm people who care about their family and so on, and care about their neighbors. And so he still had that element to him, and it was just a little bit off. And I think that that was a really a really effective way to tell that to me, to tell that story of how you can be really close and yet be really far off, you know? Um, and, it's, I, it's the kind and, of thing I, and I'm going to grant you that. I, I think for me, it comes down to the fact that uh, what I view as a dystopia and what is actually a dystopia is not necessarily the same thing. Um, I, I read a lot of dystopian literature, which for the people who don't know, uh, dystopias are things like 1984, where it's something that on surface is theoretically a utopia, but there's like a dark seedy underbelly underneath. Uh, my problem with dystopias is that everything is a dystopia. <laughs> we live in a dystopia. Yes. It just depends on the perspective you're looking at it from. Right. Right. Like, you know, sure. I love individual liberty and freedom and, you know, I am a proud American. And, and Red but, Sun is clearly written from our perspective to look like. Right. A, right. But, you know, in, in we, we don't live in a perfect world. There are people going hungry yes. on our streets. You know, are there people going hungry in Superman's communist Russia? No. You know, like, so the, the, then it becomes a question of what do you view as more important? And, and this is my personal problem with dystopian literature, which I'm sure we can talk about again, at some other time people, at great length. Please, if you you should go read Superman Red Sun because it is it in and of itself. And it's only three issues, right? Uh, yes. It's a three, three issue four. comic and it is a wonderful discussion on this topic, essentially. And it is. And the ending 
is fantastic. Yes. I, I don't want to spoil it, but man, that ending made the entire thing. Yes, for it me. did. I like, was like, like, I enjoyed it the whole oh time, and then goodness. you read that ending and you just stop. And and it's funny because you on Twitter, you told me, or was it Twitter or text message that you you sent it to me, and I just replied with one quote and that quote is going to stick with you for a long long time and i remember right. when i finally read it i told a friend of mine and he's not a huge superman fan like i am but he's read a couple of stories and red sun is one of them and he had been telling me i needed to read it and i read it and i was like oh my gosh that was so good and his first instinct was to text me that same quote like it's just that there's a quote from the end and it only really makes sense or it, i mean it makes sense but it only really hits you hard if in the context of reading the entire story from beginning to end and then you're just that was really effective um it's it's a great ending to that story um there's a yes so but going on this and and that's the thing is i i mean i agree that to the only way part that i the only reason i say that i think they got superman wrong on that intentionally is more of a they took all of the essentials and just kind of took a little bit away and i think that it's a good discussion on like I said, how close you can get without, or how similar you can be without actually being quite right. But there are plenty of other stories um, that I think use Superman really well while being, while having bad versions of Superman in them, um, and truly bad ones versus this one, which is not. Um, and one of them I would say is Frank Miller's uh, The Dark Knight Returns, which is a Batman comic. Um, and it is a great, uh, as I discussed in the continuity episode, it's a great grounding for all the dark Batman stories we have now. And in it, Superman does appear, and he is a government lackey. And it's clear in it that he is doing what the government... That he is doing things that he knows is wrong because he sees it as the only possible way that he can fulfill... That he can keep the peace and you know, keep humanity from destroying itself. Like, that, that is essentially his role. And to me, like, the point of that whole story of Batman The Dark Knight Returns is to tell a Batman story, not to tell a Superman one. So they use Superman as a really, as a metaphor for towing the line when you really shouldn't be anymore. Um, and I think that that's a great usage of it. Like, as a huge Superman fan, it annoyed me that Superman was a bad Superman in it. But... But again, they're going off of... Because everybody knows that Superman stands for truth, justice, in the American way. And it, his role in this comic is more a warning against sticking to what you think... Sticking to the law rather than your principles. And, uh, and I think it's done... It's used really, really effectively there. And it's a bad Superman. Um, and it's intentionally done so. It's, Frank Miller... I don't doubt that Frank Miller knows how to write Superman well. Um, or at least knows who Superman is and knows his identity of him rather than the the one that he wanted to do. But in this case, he needed someone to represent the man and he used Superman for it. Um, additionally, uh, Mark Wade, who wrote Superman Birthright and I think knows Superman better than most other comic book creators, and in fact, maybe almost any, um, he wrote Kingdom Come, which is a Justice League story. And it's a dystopian... Justice League future thing where the Justice League has more or less retired or they, they've they've broken oh, apart. Oh, so I, I started that one. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm, I'm not going to ruin things or anything in it, but it is one where Mark Wade, who definitely no question knows exactly what makes Superman Superman, 
he writes an intentionally wrong, uh, an intentionally misguided Superman. A Superman who tries to basically rule other superhumans with an iron fist because of a negative effect they're having, and it sort of blows up in his face and causes really big problems. And, um, and that's just not Superman, but it's essential to the story he's telling, which is, again, a warning of trying to, trying to control others the wrong way trying to lay down laws for people instead of guide them to a better path. Um, lay down laws that just butt up against their, their nature rather than trying to help guide them to, to understanding and so on. Um, and then the final one, final example, is another Mark Wade thing, and it doesn't have Superman in it at all. Um, it is called Irredeemable, and it is the entire comic, it could not possibly exist without the inherent cultural understanding of who Superman is. You open the first issue of Irredeemable, and it's the the main antagonist of the story is a character called the... the he's either the Plutonian or the Plutonian Man. I think it's the Plutonian, but I can't quite remember. And in it, he starts his thing, and and it's essentially a comic about what would go... what would happen if Superman... and this is a Superman who everyone knows and loves and trusts and is the head of the Justice League equivalent in this entirely original universe, what would, what would happen if in the very first issue he goes insane and starts killing everybody? And it's how would the world pick up the pieces after that? And it is Mark Wade again, as someone who truly understands what is essential with Superman, and he, is, he does this in the best way possible because he goes and he writes a character who is not Superman but is clearly drawn from Superman so that we can... so that we all understand the beginning state of his world. That's an entirely original... It's an entirely original world. And you just go on it, and and it's what is the fallout? How does the world... Because that's essentially... You think about it, I mean, that's that's an end-of-the-world scenario. I mean, this is a Superman who is one of the most... He's aligned with some of the most powerful versions of Superman who've ever existed. Like, a, just no one has... No one can can touch him, and no one knows his secret ide- identity, and he knows everybody else's. I mean, he is even more powerful than a version of Superman than we've generally seen. And it's a great story of writing what would be a bad Superman if it was Superman, and using it in order to drive home a point for his story. Just, again, he's relying on everybody's understanding of Superman, and it's done really well, I think. Uh, I have a few other potential example, or I have one other specific example that's actually a little bit different. Um, it's uh, the the animated version, and I always forget the name of the comic, which I've also read, but uh, the animated version is called Superman vs. the Elite. And in the comic version, there's a group, basically, people are getting tired of the fact that, as Mandy discussed, how do you let people live and die? Uh, or when do you choose when to kill somebody and when do you imprison them, even though you know they're just going to break out again and cause more trouble. And it is a story where humanity is getting tired of Superman not killing villains when he could. Like, they are basically hounding him because of this, because he continually does the right thing and doesn't kill them. And so you get this superpowered group called the Elite who come in and they start killing bad guys. And this is not kosher with Superman, but people are cheering them on. People are liking them. And it's a fantastic story of 
it it tells exactly the story that we're talking about where where Superman Superman reacts to them and he's like, well, if this is what the world wants, you know, and, and it's and I can't really say more than that, but it, it's a great story showing why it's important that Superman be that Superman not bend, that Superman always do the, does the right thing, even when it's incredibly inconvenient and he finds a way to do the right thing. He finds a way to spare, spare lives, try and turn people over to the good side. And every once in a while it works because heck there are heroes who used to be bad guys. Um, and, uh, and that's a story all about that. Like why it's essential that Superman be Superman and not be a lesser hero than he is. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Mandy, do you have any any other discussion on the core of Superman or stories on how how Superman himself can be expressed differently and yet be the same or or drive home a different point based on our knowledge of him? Anything at all. <laughs> if not, that's okay. Um I mean, I, I just think it's important to as you iterated earlier that Superman is not an inherently boring character. Uh being unconflicted I don't think makes you boring and not unconflicted as in conflicts don't come across him as in he's not experiencing emotional turmoil every second of the day right um that that's not a bad thing that doesn't make him a bad character what what's interesting is how the world reacts to him how he interacts with this world where other people are not so set in their moral compass as he is um and you know, he is literally a, a god among men. Right. And, but he doesn't view himself as a god. You know, yes. he views himself as a man. And I think that comes across in most Superman things whenever um, Superman generally comes across another Kryptonian. And they're like, why are you siding with these Earth people over us? Um, and Superman's always like, because I'm an Earth person, you know? He was raised here. Uh, most of the time, he doesn't view himself as a Kryptonian. Um, he views himself first and foremost as an Earthling. Go ahead. And I was just going to say, and he's not conflicted like, say, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who, <laughs> or who just wants to be a normal girl, right? No, I mean, Batman doesn't necessarily oh, want to be okay, normal. Yeah. You're right, right. You're right. Uh, Buffy is like a goddess among regular people, and she's just like, I wish I was normal. Oh, woe is me. I mean, I love Buffy. Don't get me wrong. Right. But Superman's not like that. He he embraces both of his sides. Um, and he is Clark Kent. And he is Superman. Right. Uh, neither aspect of him is less him. Right. He's uh, not Batman, where Batman is the real person and Bruce Wayne is... The secret, a complete uh, facade. The complete facade. Right. Superman, you are getting part of him. He is always himself. He is always like when he is Superman, that is him. When he is Clark Kent, that is him. It's just a matter of whether he is. You know, he might. He he might put on like when he is Clark Kent, and he, depending on the version of Clark Kent, if he is acting bumbling in order to cover for his superpowers, at his core, he's still the same person, and the people who know him know him and trust him and know they can rely on him for anything. He's not, and, and he doesn't change that. You know, he's always a good person that people know and love when they know him. 
Uh, it's just a matter right. of whether they think he's capable of saving people's lives or not. That is a whole different scenario situation. Um, right. And that is the only reason for that. That is the only, the only really distinct separation is that he just with Clark Kent, he just doesn't let people know that he has powers and he tries to put on a facade of not having powers and maybe being physically incapable, but he doesn't change who he is as a person. Um, and that's why a lot of the time I hear people talk about how Batman's the real one and uh, the real person and, and uh, Bruce Wayne's the cover and it's the reverse for Superman. And I don't think that's true at all. Like Superman is Superman and Clark Kent is Superman and Superman is Clark Kent. They're just the same person. Right. And I was actually uh, thinking about this question the other day because I feel like that's something people people do say a lot. Um, And I think they're with most superheroes that I'm familiar with. I feel like it is true that the superhero is both. Yes. He is both his faci- his secret identity and his uh, real identity. Uh, Peter Parker yeah. is both Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Absolutely. Uh, I-, I think Batman is the exception. And exactly. I think people confuse Batman to be the rule. And I love uh, Batman. I love Batman a lot. And I think that that's a really great way of telling his- of using him. And it's right. very effective. But that's not, as you said, that's not the rule. Um Right, so, that, that is the exception, that Bruce Wayne has nothing to do with who the who Batman really is. Yeah, he is 100% he's, a cover. He's just a facade there to, to keep people off the trail. Um, whereas, you know, are there certain little things Batman, uh, Superman kind of has to lie about when he's Clark Kent? Yeah, he has to wear glasses. Are, are there certain little things he has to lie about when he's Superman so people don't realize he's Clark Kent? Yeah, but they're still both him. Right. Uh, and neither is really a betrayal of who he is. Right. Um, so in essence, and you were already, you were saying this, but in essence, Superman is, he is the best of, he is human in all the best ways and none of the worst ways. Um, and yet he sees in humanity that those best capabilities, like he knows he gets those things from humanity. And he knows that that means humanity is worth something because, and, and as you said, he's not human. He is, I mean, we clearly he is superhuman. He is better than human and he does not think he is better than human. Um, right. And that's, that is really the core of Superman right there. Um, and, and, and to me also the core, uh, he does the impossible because he does things that humans couldn't. And there are times where, where the reason that his conflicts exist is because is because no amount of powers are enough to just deal with an issue easily. So he has to deal with things, and a lot of the time his solutions tend to be with, you know, a lot of his stuff will end up being, he's always trustworthy, and he is very trusting. And because that is perceived as a positive trait of humanity, and that is something that he puts forward, um... So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and move into Man of Steel. So for anyone who doesn't hasn't seen the movie yet, uh, just you should probably stop listening now. Before we actually get into the movie, though, Mandy, 
I do want to talk about, because I think you and I had discussed this several times before, but assuming we hadn't seen the movie and we had only seen the first couple of trailers, how, given those constraints, you can actually make a really good Superman movie that sticks to Superman, um, that isn't boring? Do you want to just, we could talk about it for just a couple minutes before we move on to the actual movie itself, um, and whether that made it or not. Does that sound uh, okay to you? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I would say just having seen the trailers, not having seen the movie, the things that were concerning me that were going to be the constraints on Superman were um, the popularity of the Dark Knight trilogy um, and the fact that Christopher Nolan was associated with this. Um, and I think people were they, – they were setting it up. I was concerned they were setting it up uh, to make Superman extremely conflicted like Batman. Um, okay. And uh, we can talk about later whether that ended up being the case. Right. But that was definitely a concern I had going in. Um, um, some constraints that I saw uh, in the trailers were um, uh, it seemed like they had a very high concentration of it. looked like mentioning of his childhood and stuff. And my hope was, and we'll again, we'll talk about whether this happened or not. My hope was that they had basically shown us a lot of the flashbacks and that there wouldn't be much of it, and it would just be ways to kind of scatter his origin story in it. Because um, that is an issue that we have with superhero movies in general, is you spend too much time on the origin story itself, on the superhero himself, his origin story, without great effect, when we already know the origin story. And everyone knows Superman, uh, more or less has a general idea of where Superman's or where Superman comes from or what his origin is, so you don't need to spend a lot of time on it. So, um, from my, what I had to say, and this, I believe, was in a conversation quite a while ago, back when the, tra- like, first trailer, uh, or maybe the second trailer aired, you and I had discussed this, and I thought that you could basically pull off a perfect Superman movie by having enough of the origin to show, you know, what happened on Krypton and that he came over to Earth, and more or less having the story of the movie be... Um, only a little bit of his decision, but maybe the first half of the movie would become would be his decision to become Superman. Um, and then the second half of the movie would be, okay, well, there's this guy, do we trust him or not? Because, let's be real, you get this big super-powered guy just shows up on Earth, like, it is not smart to just trust a guy who can crush humanity under his boot. Like, it doesn't make sense to do that right off the bat. So... And Superman is, we know he's a trustworthy guy, but he needs to earn that trust. He needs to prove that he is trustworthy. So for me, the big central conflict for the origin story of a, of a Superman, uh, an origin story for Superman is really him coming out to the world and then proving that he is trustworthy. And then you have, and this is proving that he's trustworthy despite not really seeming to have any risk, any reason to be trustworthy because there's no real reason for him to be. And then something happens where he could just side with the other people or roll over and let something hurt humanity when it would actually cost him, and he proves his worthiness, his trustworthiness by, by doing things. So to me, like the end state of the movie should, be, should have been him gaining the bulk of humanity's trust by doing something. Um, and that should, to me, that is, the physical conflict is not the central conflict. The, the conflict is his ability to pr- 
prove that he is trustworthy to the world because that's a big deal. Um, and that was, of course, that's my opinion on what I think how you could do a really good Superman story. Of course, there's lots of ways to screw it up within that, and there's lots of other ways to make a great Superman movie. Um, but that was what I was hoping for going in. Um, and I had seen in the trailers it looked like Zod was going to be a part of it, and so it seemed to me that Zod would be a perfect... You know, after Superman has become public, you then bring Zod in and um, and have him as someone where it kind of shuts the people up, the, the Superman haters up, when he is clearly fighting and putting his life on the line when he didn't need to. Um, but anyway, so let's go ahead and start on the actual movie itself. Um, Mandy, you can go ahead and start wherever you want on this movie. I just want to say overall, before we start nitpicking... <laughs> I enjoyed it. Okay, I did too. I, that that I'm happy because both of us pretty aggressively resisted discussing the movie on Twitter. We did. We <laughs> did. Uh, I purposefully said nothing about how I felt on Twitter, and I even uh, didn't read reviews afterwards. Well, okay, there were multiple reasons why I didn't read reviews afterwards. I probably would have if I hadn't gone adventuring instead. I, but I, 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 I also not did not read a, reviews. At all. I have not read a single spoilery review afterwards, which is what I usually do after I see a movie. Um, I go read all the reviews and I talk to all of my friends about it. Uh, so the only people I did talk to about the movie immediately after the movie was the people I saw the movie with. Um, right after the movie, too. So it wasn't even like we went back and thought about it for a long time and came back and discussed it. It was immediately after. And uh, as soon as the movie was over and me and my local friends were standing uh, outside the theater talking about it, I, my first question to them was, overall, thumbs up or thumbs down? And uh, they all gave me an overall thumbs up. So okay. I think we can say that most people seem to have enjoyed it. I, and I would say <laughs> that's probably true of audiences. Now, I have not read reviews, but I have seen through Twitter what general uh, critical consensus is, and I don't think it agrees with us, but that's okay. Uh, um, yes, uh, it happens. I like Iron Man 3, so, you um, know. And that said, <laughs> I do have, and people will find out, I've got some serious issues with this movie, but I overall liked it. I think it was a very yeah. solid comic book movie in the way that The Avengers is a comic book movie. Uh, it was a translation of the comics to to the screen, the action felt comic-y to me. Like, it felt like it had comic book weight to it. Um, and, uh, and it was an enjoyable experience for me. Um, so, right. so, yeah, let's go I ahead. I didn't and look at my watch. Yeah, I never <laughs> looked at my watch at all. Um, yeah, I go did ahead. lean over. Oh, go ahead. And make snarky comments to my friends at points, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's all I had. Uh, th- because there were certain things that were just... Right. Well, Wrong. and this is something, and we didn't touch on this earlier, but there are some things that just inherent to who Superman is and how his origin story. Like, okay, let's be real. If a spaceship crashes, and it's and you're talking like even remotely modern era, like fifties on, the government's going to be all over that. You know, right. so like farm people are not going to get to a a child in it and get to adopt him and somehow figure out how to get all the paperwork figured out where they're going to have this kid and nobody knows. Right. Like, that's ridiculous. But we don't yeah. care. I don't I just don't but care. That's I, mean, like, I don't even think about that when I'm watching the movie because I, that's so accepted to be who Superman is. Right. You know, and that, I I, think, that I'm not sitting there questioning the adoption papers. Right, right. I, I'm not either. And, but I'm thinking, like, there's lots of other things that I did notice in the movie. Like, I didn't notice that at the time. That's just a thing that popped into my head after the fact in general about the character. And I've thought about it before. But there are other things in the movie that I definitely 
rolled my eyes at, and I don't even remember what some of them were now, but but I rolled my eyes at, but they're the same exact kind of thing, where it's like, okay, I mean, in order for this whole thing to, to work, you kind of have to accept some things. Um, All right, can, can we talk about the biggest issue I had with the movie? Uh, sure. I wonder if it's the biggest one I had. Uh, the death of Pa Kent. Okay. Um, I actually How? didn't care about it in any way. <laughs> Stupid. That was the stupidest thing I ever saw in my life. You cannot tell me that someone is going to sacrifice their life for the dog. Yes. Okay. So, so okay. Then you have a different issue than where I thought you were going with it. Um, yes, I think it's very dumb for him to sacrifice his life for the dog. That was silly. Um, I do not think I mean, that it was, was beyond dumb. silly. That was idiotic. Yes, it was. That was like, uh, so am I supposed to accept that Pa Kent is uh, a stupid person? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> so let's let's step back a little bit with Pa Kent because let's go with, with the criticism that I have heard from one in-person friend. And I didn't really want to talk about Superman, about the movie much, but he wanted to. Um, and uh, he didn't like, he, he uh, of course, he latched on to, I didn't like that, you know, that he didn't die when he was younger, and I didn't like that he died in this way. Like, he didn't die of being killed or of a heart attack or whatever. Like, he died in a tornado. That's not right. And I'm like, well, okay, A, that's just not consistent in any, w- in any way with the comics. But his main thing, I think, was, and it, I might be getting this wrong, but what I could see as a criticism that I disagree with is, come on, in that scenario that's enough of a reason for Clark to go up and break his cover. And to me, it's like, well, no, that's the whole point is, you know, Pa Kent is saying it's not time yet. And my life isn't worth what this could restrict you from being able to do in the future. Right? Like, so I I see that. I don't see him going out. Like it would be be much more plausible if Pa Kent had, for some reason, like had gone out for a person, you know? Right. Right. If it had been like a child, had been left behind. And it's all they needed like, to do. It, that scene, right. if they just made it a child in somebody else's truck instead, boom, that situation is is fine, and I think the whole thing is okay. Like, I think it's fine. I that, completely yeah, agree. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that is not anywhere near the biggest... We'll get to it. I will get to it. I will wait and, uh, to get to the biggest issue I had. But um, So let's talk early on in the movie. There's, of course, the origin stuff on Krypton, which dragged too long, I think. Now, it was essential, and when it was happening, I was like, okay, clearly they're going to use this later, or they better be, because this has gone on for a really long time, and it needs to be more important than just, oh, he came from a dying planet and his parents loved him, right? Like, it went on for a really long portion of the movie. Um, Now, of course, after the fact... When, when Jor-El becomes a, a, an important character later on, you're like, oh, right. that's why. They needed to build the emotional bond between us and Jor-El, which is why he was on screen for such a long time at the beginning. Because like, we wouldn't have cared about him and his interaction if they hadn't done it the way they did. I do still think that it would have been better if it was shorter, and I think they could have done it just as effectively by cutting it down some. But, uh, but in general, I was... I was very satisfied that there t- did turn out to be a reason for that. Um, yeah, and so. and you know, same thing. Like my first reaction to the very first scene, which was a uh, Clark Kent, uh, Clark Kent, Superman's birth, Kal El, whatever we're yeah. going to call him at that point. Uh, my very first reaction, the first thing I had, I had to lean over to my friend and say it was, "You're telling me they haven't invented uh, 
painless childbirth on Krypton. Turns out. And <laughs> I mean, there, it turned out there was a reason for it, but that was so distracting at the beginning because I was just like, I, but, but even, I don't know, even if it was the case that babies are, you know, manufactured, I feel like there would still be some sort of medicine that could have been used, but, but whatever. At the same time, Afterwards, I'm if you think about it, it in this way, like think about it this way, like this means that to some degree or another, regardless of the fact that, like in my mind and according to our values, they're right. Uh, they're kind of crazy, you know, relative to the rest of their society, right? They're like pretty fringe to be the first natural birth, and how long was it? Like, oh, they said I don't remember. It was a long time. It was time. a long time. It's like to be, to be the first natural. Like you're kind of nuts, and also you probably won't have the medicine on hand specifically for, like you know, we use epidurals for that kind of thing. And do we use epidurals for anything else? But my question is, how, how did they hide her for so long? I, I wonder. Uh, um, I, and I'm thinking, you did know, did she just stay home for nine months? But the truth is, that is something that could be potentially. It doesn't really seem to make much sense. But I'm willing to give it a pass because it's something that could be we don't really understand their culture and there's so many weird things about that we saw that like it, for all we know they do just live in their own homes and labs and only and only come into contact with each other every once in a while for important things like maybe only the council talks to each other you know um who right. knows like it, like that's a I, I do agree that it's a little weird but maybe their world is a little weird you know um and I, i'm willing to give yeah. that a pass um but i did actually have the same thought with the birth i was like that's Come on. It shouldn't be that bad. Oh, oh, there we go. They, 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 all their babies are manufactured or, you know, and so on. Anyways, so that whole thing, I thought that was an interesting take, too. The fact that not only is he the, um, the last remaining Kryptonian when he leaves, or assumed to be, he is the only remaining, the only existing natural-born Kryptonian. Which is right. So he's not even a real Kryptonian, or more. Maybe he's more a real Kryptonian than the rest of them are. You could say, like, uh, in a way, like all of them are are artificially created, and he's naturally created, right? So, but, but that makes him the one weird one. It does right? make him so, the one weird one, and they did, and they did drive that home. Is like they wanted to kill him as an yeah. abomination, as a as a as a thing of a form of blasphemy in living, uh, you know, yes, as a form of walking blasphemy, essentially. Um, so it was, it was very. It was an interesting thing. I had not seen that before. Um, that's not to say it doesn't exist in other comics. It's just not in the ones that I've seen. Um, they did not do a good job of uh, of establishing why they weren't really evacuating the planet. Like I, they had that debate, and it really did seem like the people just kind of shrugged their shoulders, like, "Eh, we're not going to evacuate. Whatever." It, it didn't seem to be like we don't believe you that the earth that the krypton is going to explode and I, I it kind of bugged me that there wasn't quite enough of an explanation there for why they didn't do it um but cuz it was uh 30 something years right that it lasted before he or did it die blow up right when he when when he was sent away um we don't uh, really, it wasn't made very clear I, I would assume because of what happens later on because we know that the um the people in the Phantom Zone, like, they arrive X number of years later, uh, 32 years later, I believe, and they were dropped out of the Phantom Zone because Krypton exploded. So that but, makes, but they, they had to they build were the dropped engine. out of the Phantom Zone because Krypton exploded. They spent time searching the colonies and did not find Clark Kent until... That's true. 
he activated his colony ship on Earth. That is true. So we don't know when they when they actually saw the Phantom right, Zone. Right. So regardless, if Jor-El knew that the that the planet was going to explode, um, I mean, I guess in this case they did make it where it's not like the ship was outrunning the explosion, and that's why they couldn't get off. It was more of a they couldn't get off because they were about to be killed, <laughs> kind of thing, which you know works. But I still don't understand why the council didn't leave. Uh, I, right. I, I, yeah, I thought it was interesting that clearly everyone except the council recognized that there was a problem, right? right. Like, uh, because Jarrell recognized there was a problem, and so did Zod. And that's why Zod planned his coup, right? right? Because he was like, the council can't do it, so I have to, because it's my charge to protect Krypton. Um which I thought was a really interesting uh, perspective for Zod, and I, I liked that aspect of the people are born to do one thing, and that kind of traps them in that life and can, you know, right. uh, affect their decisions. But, uh, but I was like, if everyone else can see this, why can't the council? Yeah. I, anyway, so let's move on, because we've, we've spent a lot of time on this, and our episode is already pretty long as it is. Um, Might need to be a two-part. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But, um... So, uh, so next up is basically, you know, we're presented with Clark Kent, and we discussed this in other stories. We're, we're, how do you, what do you think about the way they had him kind of trying to find himself out and about? Um, on the one hand, I didn't think it was terrible. On the other hand, I was just kind of like, how did Clark Kent end up a fisherman in Maine? So- uh, I I quite liked it. Um, I I honestly I really liked it because I like the idea that okay, well he's wandering and he's just trying to find himself. So he's just kind of thrusting himself in different positions to figure out how. Because again, like his entire internal debate, and we see this with the flashbacks, his debate is: so can I tell people yet? Like, can I show off and save people yet, or do I have to like not do it? And he his instinct is to save people because he's a good person. And you see this in the flashback when he's a child. And the conversations with with uh, Jonathan Kent over and over again, and and yet, but he doesn't know, and he he misunderstands his dad's basically order to not do it, and I think that was really neatly done, and I didn't underst- I didn't get that until later on when you when you see his mom talk to him after after we've seen his dad die and stuff um, in the flashback. Uh, and his mom actually drives home the, or says, no, your father just knew that there would be a time and that would be like, you know, when the time came, you'd be able to. But but his father's thinking was, you have to wait until the right time because otherwise, you know, it, it could just it could cause all kinds of problems for you. Sure. But then, you know, less selfishly. And I don't necessarily know that he was putting this, but I'm making this argument less selfishly for the world because it means you would be restricted from doing what you can for the world until the time is right. Um, and what, something, either something will happen that will make people ready for it or it won't and you'll have to figure out your own thing to do to, to help people as you can, as best you can. Um, but uh, I, I really like the idea that he would just go and wander and figure out what he can do and... I could totally see a Clark Kent who doesn't understand where he belongs, like who doesn't know, just ending up a fisherman or whatever because he never feels like he belongs. And as you can see in the, um, and as when they have Lois tracking him down, you know, 
he doesn't he didn't fit in anywhere like people would just keep noting i mean he was a great guy but he didn't really talk to the rest of us he didn't really fit in and that seems that clark was always trying to figure people out and figure out how he would fit in um without having to hide who he is because getting to know people implies letting them get to know you um so i i liked that a lot um actually and i thought that in that they actually got his struggle right i it wasn't the perfect execution of it, but I thought they got his struggle of trying to decide to essentially become Superman, even though he didn't know the shield or anything like that, just fine. Um, I was not at all bothered by him finding the, the ship, which activated the beacon and brought the other Kryptonians there. I didn't. I wasn't bothered by that at all. Um, I wasn't bothered by that, but but I had questions about Kryptonian colonization and... Uh, and why they all died off. Um, yes. Now and why said, were there no Kryptonians on Earth? Did, well, did they all land and die? Um, what I'm, There's no Krypton settlement on Earth, right? Well, that we know of. For all we know, he'll discover more in, uh, in you know, the next movie or something, or some artifacts and stuff like that. But, but yeah, there, there's as far as we know, there aren't any, um, except for that ship... Um, where they did die, so that is something. But um, one thing that is, maybe they were trying to do with that, with the colonies dying off, is when you under- when you learn that story, they actually tell us that all of those planets, all of those colonies cut off from Krypton, died. Like they couldn't survive without. So maybe they never settled Earth. They were just exploring it, but all the places that they did, they also, they did die when cut off from Earth, right? Um, now, it's also potentially possible that Jor-El specifically chose Earth because there wasn't a Kryptonian sell, uh, settlement there, so Krypton, Kryptonians right. hadn't gone there and failed to succeed, right? It was a world where he was confident his son could survive um, if growing up there, and that was that. So we don't know what options he chose not to send him to. But presumably this was something he thought of well in advance and looked at many options, you know? Um, so I guess, and that makes me buy maybe that pe- the Kryptonians were like, all right, well, I guess it's time to accept our death, even though I think it would be stupid, but it's like, it's time to accept our death because we know colonies have failed and there's not really much we can do about it. And then, of course, the the people on the correct side, even though they disagree with each other, would be Jor-El and Zod saying, well, no, that's not enough reason to, to not go. Like, we're gonna, this is a sure death, at least we can try, you know? Um, anyways, so continuing off of that, um, how do you, I guess the next thing is really just the central, like, what did you think about the conflict between him and Zod and how they handled him and the military's bond with him coming out, essentially? Because there's not much Can else I talk to about Oh, go ahead. Can I talk about Lois Lane first? Oh, sure, you can. Yeah. I loved her. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I actually was lukewarm on her. Um, I, I, I thought Amy Adams did a good job. And uh, though I felt she did a couple stupid things, but at the same time, I feel like that's kind of true to Lois, that she sometimes just follows the story without thinking about, uh, like, you could die in the cold out there, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's something that happens to Lois a lot. Right. She is she is inherently rash, yes. Right. Um, she is a rash person. So I, I really thought she did a good job. Um, though I'm still not sure I understand exactly why the Kryptonians wanted her to come with them so to the ship. What I am – I'm not either, but um, – so my thing on Lois – 
I'm not willing to argue about being lukewarm on her because I just, I don't know why I am. I mean, I, I adore Amy Adams and I thought that they used Lois really well. I mean, there were parts where Clark, where Superman couldn't have gotten out ahead of time, um, or without her. And that was great. Um, I want to say, or I think that maybe the reason the Kryptonians wanted her was because she was the person who was on the ship ahead of time and wrote the story. So that means they assumed she knew more than she did about Kal-El um, and would mm-hmm. be able to leverage uh, and would be able to use her as leverage against him. Because, you know, even because they they might not have assumed that you could probably have done the same thing with any human in terms of getting Superman to do what you want. But they were probably betting on her as, OK, we can use her as a because they did use her as blackmail. Like, you know, we're going to torture her in the next room or whatever, like do what we say kind of a thing. So. I mean, I think it was more of that, to use as a bargaining chip against him. Um, anyways. Uh, so okay, that. so going back to the Kryptonians. Yeah. Uh, I, overall, I I liked it. Uh, I liked I liked Zod um, as a character. Like, his, his conflict of his whole purpose and reason for existence is to protect Krypton and protect the Kryptonian people. And of course he doesn't care for earth. And of course that means his programming is to restart Krypton on earth. That reminds Um, me the programming thing, such a good way of making him plausible. Right. right? Instead of just ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Instead of a crazed military leader, you basically have a military leader whose sole charge is to protect people, which is what you want from a military leader. Right. But then he sees that Kryptonians. Too. Right, right. Kryptonians, his people. Um, and, and then he sees his council failing to do that job. Just like he and the lead scientist both agree the council is failing. So he's like, I have to take matters into my own hands. So he does. He gets punished for it. And then when he's released from his punishment, his first thought is still, I must save Krypton. So what he does is go to all the colonies looking for other Kryptonians. When he doesn't find them, then he finally does on Earth where he finds, you know, Kal-El, Clark Kent. And he's like, now I'll just start Krypton here because this is where the genetic pattern was sent. Right. Uh, I mean, it makes complete sense. It is a logical train of thought. Whereas I feel like so many Superman movies get bogged down in these over-the-top mustache twirling villains exactly Um, i think that was a great like this is an absolutely excellent version of zod to me i think they did a great job of it and the fact that it tied into like it basically gave a reason for superman for for kryptonians to not be normally like born right like because it basically means that superman is not just a nice guy and whatnot because i mean his parents had certain values right he also, like, Zod didn't have the free will to make the right decisions, you know? And I, and I think that's really good. Like, it, it, it did a good... It was good for Superman. Like, it establishes that Superman or Kal-El, uh, that he is like humans and can have the human, the human traits of being, uh, of being able to make his own decisions and so on, and he's not... And, and it also potentially is why Jor-El wanted him to be naturally born, so he wouldn't be constrained to, you know, to what society deemed would be his values. Um, so I, I thought that was really good. Um, anything else about the Kryptonians? Um, I thought 
it was weird um, how unset their powers on Earth seemed to be. Uh, what do you mean? Like, so, like- I feel like what they could and couldn't do on Earth uh, with or without the uh, the breathers, the face mask, breathers was inconsistent with why we had been led to believe Clark Kent was different. Um, for example, mean? they all had the, the, the one thing that made sense was they were all super strong and uh, pr- practically able to fly, right? Like jumping around. Because right. uh, that's, that's the John Carter-esque, you're on a world with different gravity. Um, so, so that was fine. But we were told that the reason why Clark was special was because he had been on this earth absorbing a young sun, breathing a richer atmosphere. And that's what gave him these special abilities that aren't necessarily inherent to Kryptonians. Um, well, I think they and, are inherent to Kryptonians with these, under these conditions. It's just a matter of how much time you get to do it. But I understand where you're going with this. I, right. I so, so it's, so it's like it's instantaneous. Uh, that 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 was the thing I was like, okay. So if you remove your breather, you instantaneously get all the powers of Earth. So why didn't all of the Kryptonians remove their breathers? Well, because they couldn't breathe. <laughs> but right? like, but no, but Zod did in the oh, end. Oh, you're right. Oh, well, okay. So they they wanted it to be like their like their planet and stuff, but at the same time. Um, of course, maybe they just didn't know how they could handle it at first, right? So they were being smart and cautious. Because, I mean, they weren't doing the um, the thing that... Uh, uh, what, what was that movie? The Alien prequel. Um, uh, shoot. Prometheus? Prometheus, yeah. So that you weren't doing the Prometheus thing. It was like, hey, look, let me take off my helmet. You know, like, they're like, okay, it, there's clearly, clearly a Kryptonian who can breathe this air... But they don't necessarily know what is giving him all those powers. Like, Jor-El might have, but that doesn't mean they did, right? So they might have known that it would give him some enhanced Wait, things, but they didn't so, know that the atmosphere was. So, so maybe they were being truly cautious. Like, well, look, he's clearly adjusted to this his entire life. That doesn't mean we can just rip off our breathers, right? But, but, but equally on this line, um, mm-hmm. why is it that when Superman was on the ship breathing Kryptonian air, he wasn't strong Yes, and, uh, and that is clearly... I am very loath to throw this world, this word around. That's a plot hole. It's not like there was all of a sudden, like, he lost all his yellow sunlight that had been stored up if they're going with that as his origin or as his power source. Like, that was a little bit weird. It seems very weird to make it the atmosphere rather than the sun. Because that that means effectively that if he ever flies into space, he's going to be... Is he going to be powerless? Or is it specifically that the air of Krypton takes away the weak, the strengths, right? Like it, that, right. And, that, that seems ridiculous to me. I agree. And, and it was like, how, how can Zod have all of these powers? Cause, cause Superman's powers, we've been told come from absorbing the sun. It's, it's the big one. Right. Right. Uh, so if I'm wearing body armor, I'm not absorbing the sun. Well, I don't know that it works that way. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that like so we should try and yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There were just things like that, that that pulled me out of the movie as I was watching it because I was like, wait, I, I don't understand. What powers does Zod 
have and why does he have them? To me, why is Superman weak on the on the ship when he should still the the sun still exists? I mean, he, and, and to me, the, the real issue with all of this is that it's all completely unnecessary because all you have to do is be is even if you say okay, they instantaneously get the power when they're on Earth. All you have to do is Superman's used to the powers and knows how to use them, and they don't. You know, and they it, that would be an immense thing. Like they'd be overshooting things, running past things, or you know, or hitting each other by accident. Hearing every you know, as they did with Zod at one point, hearing everything at once and not being able to focus, having X-ray vision and micro vision and all this stuff go all over the place and shooting each other and you know with their uncontrolled heat vision, like that in and of itself is enough. You don't need them not having the powers or having some mechanic to like take away the powers, add the powers and you know, just have them come on and initially not be under control and then they start to get it under control some and then they're just sheer numbers, you know, they they have the upper hand on him once they start to get a little bit of a handle on it. Um yeah. I, I don't I and that's that's one of those things where it wouldn't bother me if those things played to the story, but they don't. They don't. They're just. They're. They're not necessary. Um, yeah. So, anyways, but again, it didn't really like. I noticed those things, but I still I was liking the movie and everything, and I think you know Superman was doing a good job of, you know, protecting people and whatnot. Um, now, there's one criticism I've heard of a lot of people that I think is ridiculous, where they're like, so. Uh, the Earth is worse off than if Superman hadn't arrived because the only force that he's really saved people from was other Kryptonians who came because of a beacon that he triggered. And I'm like, yeah, but how many people has he already saved and how many people will he save in the future? Like, you know, it's not his fault. Like, they might have come in reaction to something he did, but it's not like he did it. Like, he knew it. You know, and, and I think it's an important way – like, this this is an origin story. Even right. though they don't spend a lot of time on Superman as a child, which I think we all agree was a good thing, um, this is the origin of Superman becoming the hero of the Earth. Right. And when – a random guy starts showing up with superpowers, saving us from mundane things. That would be very scary and very hard for us to accept as opposed to we have our own superpowered alien protecting us from other superpowered aliens. Right. You um, know, uh, so, so I, I think it made sense. Yes, I, I agree. And, and so like, I don't really like that criticism. Um, there was, and so I think he did a good job of, standing up for humanity and, and and so on and proving that he's trustworthy. <laughs> and of course at the end, you know, and I'm skipping over some stuff that we're going to talk about, but and I really appreciated the very end of the movie where they're like, well, how do we know we can, you know, you'll keep American interests at heart. And he's like, well, look, I don't look work for you, but, but, you know, let me know and I'll work with you. And he's like, general, I grew up in, I, I grew up in Kansas. I grew up in Kansas. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. And that's actually, that drives it home. I really, really, really like the way they bypass one of the least plausible parts of Superman, which is that he has a, a, has a secret identity. Like, I like the fact that some people know who he is, right? Because they do. Right. And that makes sense. And not everybody knows who he is, because... but. But it makes perfect sense for some people to know who he is. And I actually right. really, it really like that Lois that tracked Lois him down. Lane, right. And if Lois Lane can track him down, that means the government knows. 
You know, right. like if it's that put togetherable, uh, and I and think even that if they didn't already know, it means sense. they know now, right? Right. Like, um, and, and I like that, and I like the fact, and oh my gosh, so I've had real friends and a podcast um, where they briefly talked about about the movie. They were talking about wait, so at the end, did she know or did she not know? I was like, of course she. Knew. There's not even any ambiguity there. Wait, like she went there, to his house. There's no ambiguity there. She was at his house. <laughs> She was at his house. She knows. She called him Kent numerous times while he was oh, Superman. I had, like, so that was something I, I commented on in the movie because she kept calling him Clark. Like oh, when he was in yeah, Superman. Like, yeah, of course she I, knows. I was like, what part of secret identity doesn't she get? <laughs> well, and it's not like he said that. Yeah, right. So it's not. Like, I know because keep in mind. Well, of course, in their in their universe, they should have comic books, so she should understand what a super what a secret identity is. They don't have to have other superheroes. But she kept using his name so much that I just kept thinking, you know, uh, loose lips, sink ships. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> She's going to figure that one out uh, around the office. Um, anyways, so now, yeah. do you have any big things that you want to talk about? Because there's one thing that I really, really want to talk about, but I want to... I want to talk the- about the end fight between Zod and Superman. Okay, me too. That is the big thing. All right, uh, you go ahead and start with that. Okay, so uh, first off, I thought that the Doomsday Machine was very Independence Day-esque, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> yes. um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. I, I just thought it was funny. Um, but so, so that end fight between Superman and Zod concerned me, uh, n- not even getting to the resolution of it. Right. Just them fighting basically in the air over Metropolis. There seemed to be or should be a lot of civilian casualty from that fight. Yes. I mean, that is like nine eleven uh, times like a billion. Like, right. Is, yeah. um, I, I'm pretty sure Superman took out the foundation, like first floor of a skyscraper at one point. Right. Like, but they did not show Superman come back and hold that building up, <laughs> fix that building. Uh, so presumably that building collapsed and everyone inside of it died. Um, so it seemed strange that the final resolution is Superman uh, killing Zod over saving one family when Superman presumably just caused the death of hundreds of metropolises. Right. And the argument they would make, the argument they would make, and I'm playing devil's advocate because I don't agree with what I'm about to say, is that, well, yeah, but in the rest of the fight, it was more just like, he didn't have any direct control over it. It was more of a like him being thrown and throwing, and he's just intent on the fight. And in this scenario, it was a situation he could he could concentrate on, right? I don't yeah. think that's a sufficient and, and argument. I, and I understand that's the devil's advocate perspective. But my problem with it, and I think your problem with it as well, is that that is not Superman, right? Uh, so I he can, cares even when it's not his fault. I'm going to go and start a yeah. little rant on this. Um, so rant away. Okay. So so far, up to this point in the movie, I've been pretty content. They nailed Superman's character so far. They're getting it right. Like, he is Superman. He had the right conflict. He's passed it. He's being Superman. Great. This fight made this not a good Superman movie. <laughs> like, it's a fun movie, and I like it. It is not Superman. Because Superman would pull Zod away from the city if he co- possibly could. He would, you know, with the whole satellite thing, like, they go up into space and hit a satellite, he would not take him back to Metropolis. He would take him to, like, the middle right, of Nebraska. Right, they would stay in space. Or go, or, <laughs> well, and we don't know if they can breathe in space in this, or hold their breath that long in this version. Like, we don't know right. that yet. So even if they can't, he would go to, like, Nebraska, or, like, the Antarctic, or, like, you know, or 
Siberia somewhere where there's no people. You know, he would, Superman would think that because Superman's smart and constantly in the back of his mind is the well-being of humanity. That is absolutely ridiculous that any time at all where he had control over the fight that it would still happen in Metropolis. Like, in a really good Superman story, and I've mentioned this with the death and return of Superman, the death story, like, in that story, that fight happens in Metropolis, but Superman tries to move Doomsday away and can't. That was not the case this time, right? Right. And that's ridiculous. Um, So I, I don't buy that at all. And then, in the end, the breaking the, breaking his neck thing, just no. Like, that is not... It, that means that that is an inherent misunderstanding or deciding on a different definition of Superman. In this version of Superman, they have established him now as someone who can kill, or who, who accepts that in some circumstances killing is necessary. Which is and, incredibly funny when you think that we just had three Batman movies where the dark, twisted Batman couldn't kill anyone. Right, you know? exactly. Like, and it's like, <laughs> no, Batman is the one who's conflicted on it and has to make the right decision each time and does. Superman never has to make the decision. It's not a thought that enters his mind to kill somebody, right? Like, no. Right. He would not. And don't. And the only reason, and people would be like, well, what's he supposed to do in that situation? Well, it's like, guys, the only reason he was in that situation is because the writers put him in that situation. It mean, the, he was in that situation because the writers... And because he didn't take the fight out of the city. Well, right. You know, like, but, but, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, the writers of this movie, for whatever reason, and a, they decided that they were going to define this version of Superman as a Superman who is willing to kill if necessary. Which I think is an inherently... Like, that is not a thing to disagree on. That is not Superman. Like, it's fine. It'll be fun. I'll probably watch the other movies, and I'll have fun at them. I mean, I did enjoy this movie. Like, I don't get me wrong, but it's not Superman. It means they... Their definition is wrong. And they're not using it as a point. They're not using it to make another point by playing off of his definition the way some of those other stories we spoke about were. They're just using a different definition of Superman that is flawed. And I... And I just, that's not Superman. Like, he does the impossible, and you write the story to make it so that he can do the impossible. You don't put him in a position, because he's a fictional character, you don't put him in a position where it is one or the other, period, end of story. That's just not how Superman stories work. You put him in a position where other people would think that's the case, and yet he comes up with an out. And if you can't come up as a writer with a situation for an out, then you write a different situation. Um... And that, that's it. Like, that, I was so enjoying the movie, and then that fight happened, and it was starting to rub me the wrong way, and then that happened, and I was, like, crestfallen. Like, I'm pretty sure I, set, I slumped in my chair when that happened. Because it just, like... So what's funny is as soon as I saw that, I was like, Michael's not going to like this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, I agree. I was like... And maybe, maybe I would have been more willing to accept Superman killing Zod if not for the in unthought of death toll caused by the metropolis fight like if no one else had been killed in that fight like uh, you know superman's like stopping buildings from falling over and stopping the fight to like help people out or whatever and you know taking it out and in the end he has to kill zod to save like four civilians but no one else died you know mm-hmm. maybe i could see it but the fact that who knows how many people died in this fight and now you save these four people because they're right in front of you? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just... 
I, and, and it's so, and that's the thing, right? Is and Batman, you couldn't move his head away from that direction. You can break his neck, but you can't turn his body. And, and this is the thing is like they used the Phantom Zone, like you know the big black hole thingy that the and, and the prison. They used that in this movie. Did they not realize like the entire reason the Phantom Zone exists in the Superman mythos is it was a way for Superman to be able to not kill people. Like, that's right. the point. Is like, It's so essential to his character. Like, Batman has that thing, and it was a great line in Batman Begins, where it's like, you know, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Like, that's right. Batman. Superman doesn't even have that. It's like, no. Superman has to do everything he possibly can to give you every opportunity to turn around, to turn your life around, and to do the right thing. And if you absolutely refuse... He will find some other way to imprison you rather than kill you. He will not kill right. you. Right, Superman is first law safe. Right, exactly. Like in the death of Death and Return of Superman, Superman does kill um what's it uh what what's it, uh Doomsday. He kills the creature called Doomsday, who's a non-sentient creature and literally Superman it's like they each punch each other in the face and they both drop dead simultaneously. Like, it's not like, uh, like, it's not even a making a decision or anything like that. Like, it's the, it, you know, if you have to have an exception of when it's okay for Superman to kill, it's that. It's where, like, he loses his life in the process and there wasn't anything he can do. But a lot of the time, he would be willing to lose his life in the process and somehow still simultaneously spare the life of the other person. Because that's how he is. If he could do that, he would, right? Like, and the point with, the only reason it's acceptable with Doomsday is that it was a non-sentient creature. Like... It was a thing of just instinct and wanting to kill, you know? And, it, yeah, so, so that is, I do thoroughly enjoy the movie. I will rewatch it. I didn't get to rewatch it a second time, and I wanted to. I will rewatch it. I will buy it. I love the soundtrack, or the score. Uh, I, and I'm looking forward to further movies, but the thing, it just, it's not a good, like, it's just not an accurate Superman. It's an, in, it's an incorrect Superman, and they're now going to be basing a franchise on an incorrect definition of Superman. And that bums me out. And if yeah. they're doing Justice League, that also means he's in there, to, like, he's an incorrect Superman in the Justice League franchise as well. And that really, really, really bugs me. Um, because, yeah, I, it's, it's just, ugh. I, I, there's not really much else I can say about it, but that scene just really broke my heart. Like, uh, oh, so I'm stealing that phrase. It, I was crestfallen... You're but, stealing my broke my heart phrase? No, no. So, so one of the few things I had, so we talked about how much Mark Wade know, knows and loves Superman. I yeah. avoided Twitter until after I saw the movie, like for a day and a half ahead of time. And I saw Mark Wade comment, and he's, and he's like, I'm not going to put spoilers in here, but man, at this time of, and while I was watching the movie, that w- you heard the sound of my heart breaking. And I, and like, I read his tweet. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because Mark Wade knows what makes Superman Superman, <laughs> and it's like, like even the fight, like the collateral damage is bad, and that means Superman's not being very good. But maybe he's just not as good at being Superman yet. But choosing to kill is antithetical to who he is when he decides to be Superman, and that's that. There's just no getting around that. Like that's just wrong. Um, <sighs> So yes, I, I enjoyed the movie as a movie, as a comic book movie, and for most of it as a Superman movie, but as a whole, it was a failure as a Superman movie to me. 
Um, and I would say just in sheer definition, it was a failure as a just a straightforward, this is Superman, Superman movie. Um, and I don't really have much more to say about the movie <laughs> at that point. So... Well, considering how long of a podcast this has been. <laughs> yeah, I think we can call it an episode. Um, so until, until next week, everyone, um, this has been Trivially Crucial. You can find me on Twitter at Auhim, that's A-U-H-I-M. You can find Mandy on Twitter at Brown Aja, that's Brown underscore A-J-A-H. You can follow the show at Triv Crucial. And you can check out our site and some blog posts that we've been pus- posting up that are separate from the podcast at TriviallyCrucial.com. So until next episode, everybody, have a great week. And despite the fact that stories can, the stories of Superman can be disappointing on occasion, be happy we live in a world with Superman in it.